0: And welcome back to the Gen X Playback Show, part two of our episode on the number one songs on the Billboard 100 charts from the year March 19th. Thank you for tuning in. We are the Brothers High. I am Scott. And I'm Sean. And we want to thank you for tuning in. Hopefully you were able to take part in part number one of the number one songs from Sean's birthday. That's right, March 19th. And we're going through each year in the gen x era so we started in 1970 in part one and ran up to 1984 we listened to the mighty van halen with a song jump the number one song on march 19th
1: right so So, and um you know it's kind of interesting how we begin the uh my time there through the gen x era in 1970 we have some in a garfunkel very mellow and and we talk about so if you go back and listen to that episode how mellow uh, it was it, musically early on, and then we end with just this perfect pop song uh, in, with uh, Van Halen and Jump.
0: And for other Gen X listeners, obviously for, for me, and, and Sean might agree, I think 1984 kind of personifies that happy attitude Absolutely. that in a song like Jump.
1: Absolutely.
0: And I think it sort of defines where we were at in our lives at that particular time, because we were having a lot of fun back then in 1984, the music in 19, I'd say 1983 to 1985, 86 was, it was a lot of upbeat, a lot of happy music. Uh, You know, you started to get a little bit more of the singer songwriter, uh, but there's that little three year period where there was a lot of dynamite music coming out. And, Uh, you know, we just covered the tip of the iceberg in part one.
1: We had no clue. We had no clue how privileged we were to be living in that golden age where you would, you turn on the radio and you're almost guaranteed to like what you heard.
0: All right. So in part one, one of the questions I asked Sean, or one of the things I said to Sean is that there are four artists that have appeared on this chart in a 30 year period on more than one occasion. So when we lead off with 1985, we're getting to our third. Another Van Halen song? Maybe. Oh. Um, but the first two were Frankie Valli in 1975 and 1976, My Eyes Adored You, in December 1963, oh, What a Night. The second were the Bee Gees. I don't think that was a big shock to anybody. 1978, Night Night Fever, and 1979, Tragedy.
1: I would have struggled to come up with Tragedy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Maybe. Um,
1: but, but it, it was a huge hit so yeah I remember this. I'm not surprised because the BGS were big
0: so now we're we're going to our third two-timer on this particular chart would you care to take a guess
1: well we just you, played said, Van, you said you said Van, Van Halen Van has got to be Van so Halen. Your,
0: your guess is Van Halen or so. is it
1: David Lee Roth oh are you <laughs> I thought we were going to listen like back-to-back years no, oh. no 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 oh oh okay I, I, I didn't understand
0: so. yeah no there were only two that hit back-to-back. This one took five years. Or okay. no, four years, sorry. And I really have to credit, what a, you know, Aria Speedwagon. Speed because, let's face it, they kind of went against... What was the formula for MTV at this point? Because wagon Speedwagon was, was a band that at this point had been around for about 15 years. They had some fairly moderate success in the late 70s. And then, of course, they had High Infidelity that came out in 1981. So the fact that they were able to come back four years later and have another number one song, when they didn't particularly fit that MTV... Model or that mold that so many bands were starting to fall into in terms of looks and sound. So I really credit these guys for having the you know the ability, the talent to come back four years after a number one with another number one song. That's as you can see on this list, that is not
1: easy to do. Right. I guess you know my biggest memory of this is you know 1985 is when we we get Live Aid. And they performed at Live Aid and they performed the song. Okay. So that's, you know, my, my moment is watching them on television sing this song at Live sure. Aid. Yeah, and this really did become one of their signature
0: songs. So many people identify with the album High Infidelity, and in, if you don't pay attention, it's easy to think that maybe this song was part of that album, but it wasn't. This is a very successful album that I think had two other top 20 hit songs on it. And Uh, But this one, obviously, was the
1: biggest that went to number one. It was. You know, it's it's not a bad song. I mean, it definitely is, um, you know, that romantic song. You know, Scott and I say all the time, is it something that would be played at the junior high dance? This was (laughs) definitely a song that would have been played at the junior high dance.
0: And again, you know, I, I mentioned that in part one, that 17 out of the 30 number one singles on this chart were hitting number one for the very first time this one was at number week number three so as i said before when you're in 1984 1985 1986 and you're number one on the charts for more than a week or two that's a major major hit song and this was at week number three Hmm. on march 19th of 85 okay yeah i mean i'm not surprised because i do remember it being
1: big and it it was something that i was very aware of
0: okay so let's go now to 1986 another band that and i I swear we're going to do an episode on this somewhere down the road where there are artists that were so big in the 70s and somehow kind of reinvented themselves okay all right so i'll probably give you a little bit of a hint um
1: ah this is this is a great song this is this is my absolute favorite heart song. would this be played at the uh, junior high dance? <laughs> you better believe it <laughs> and and uh, you know 1986 phenomenal year for music there was a lot coming out phenomenal especially right around the summertime now granted this is March of, of 86 but just an incredible
0: year so this is Hart but this is not Ann Wilson this is Nancy correct and has did Nancy sing on any other hit songs that I not that I can't that of, I remember and it turns out Nancy's got a really good singing voice yeah well I mean we've known uh, the Wilson sisters singing in harmony mm-hmm. and Ann Wilson having such an incredibly good singing voice but it turns out that it, it obviously the name of the song is These Dreams mm mm-hmm. mhm and I credit Nancy because the song has that quality to it. it. sounds kind of dreamy and she's singing it that way almost like she's in a dream sequence and one of the more famous video scenes in MTV history I think is the scene of Nancy in this mm-hmm. in this video riding the horse. Just, <laughs> I, knew, let's, yeah, I knew that's what you were going to say. Just let, let's just get it the cat out of the bag Nancy riding a horse is probably that image is
1: probably ingrained in more than a few heads uh, over the years. I'm not going to lie; that is what I was thinking of when the uh, the song was played. Because in 1986, music and and videos are intertwined. Sure, it's impossible to separate two. I I can't. I literally can't.
0: Well, I mean, you made such a. I thought it was a great point in the in the performers of the 70s uh, episode when you said when we were kids and you heard songs on the radio, you conjured up your own images. Right. Now these images are being provided for you. Right. Through MTV. Mm-hmm. So I I don't really remember listening to this particular song other than watching
1: it on TV. We would have heard it on the radio. Sure. It was all over the radio. But it's, an, but it's impossible mentally to sep- separate the imagery from the music.
0: Right. Yep. So that was 1986. These Dreams by the band heart sung by nancy wilson so uh heart ended up having a really really great strong career in the 80s when it looked like around 1982 1983 they were they were pretty much left on the scrap heap that people thought their career was over and they really came back with a strong last probably seven years of the decade with with some big hit songs
1: that you know they were a a band that was a little bit of a surprise to me that they had to come back. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I did remember them from the 70s, yeah. and then they disappeared. And then suddenly they came back, and they, they were this humongous uh, band. It's surprising that the the record companies got or company got behind them like they did and promoted them as strongly as what they did. Because yeah. usually when you get an artist that's a little bit older, you know, had their run very associated with a certain sound and genre... Oftentimes they just they get dumped but you know fortunately that wasn't the case with Hart. okay so that was
0: 1986 now when we go to 1987 i think there are a few songs on this countdown where you're not necessarily thinking about the song itself but the instrument in this song that really defines the year that it came out all right so we're talking about 1987
1: so uh, yeah Of course is a remake Yes And uh, A generation before us Will say that It's not done as well But oh. I I beg to differ You I, like this one better? Oh, I love Club Nouveau I love I love this This was a great take On What was a really good song So this is me At the end of my Senior year of high school I was all about this sound Think of the word Casio <laughs> a little casio keyboard but this is so much fun it is and, fun, and happy
0: yeah. yeah and the bill weathers original is it's such a soulful slow song um and this is such a
1: different take on it it's the same you have the same lyrics right but just there's a different vibe i mean for me i i so this isn't i don't think of the video with this yeah i think of me and my friends we we're hanging out, um, I, I, it takes me right back to going to the to the local dance club, Rex place, and I remember standing out there on the dance floor with with me and all, all my friends. Our senior year, literally dancing to this song and singing along.
0: Yeah, it's it's hard not to listen to the song if you grew up in the Gen X era. It's hard to listen to the song and not just kind of like feel yourself bouncing along yeah. to it. I remember. This song got played on the bus as we're driving back from a baseball game, and for some reason, out of all the songs that were played on the radio, this was the one song that everybody on the bus sang along to. Okay, so that's that always stood out. To me. Yeah,
1: I, I thought that was, you
0: know, something of significance to to, uh, to point out. What, but-
1: what a happy, inoffensive song. I mean, it, it just, you know, it, it could have been in a movie, it could have been in a in a commercial. It was. It was just one of those things where, you know, people just liked it. And
0: even though the tempo is considerably different than the original, I don't think that the message itself could be, you know, you can still keep the same message and you're saying it to your friend in a different way.
1: Well, yeah. And like I said, you know, literally, you know, I I take you back to that moment at the club. And I remember me and, and all my friends were like, we made a big circle and we're all arm in arm. And we just were like bopping up and down arm in arm in one big circle.
0: And I think there's something to be said about with uh, you know, with your group of friends that when you're trying to cheer them up, hey, slap on the back. Hey, come on, buddy, let's let's go have fun. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I think
0: that kind of this what this song sort of defines much different than than the original. I love both versions mm-hmm. and uh, this this was this was a great this was kind of a cool, different remake, which, kind of stood out because there weren't too many remakes that were so different or done differently with the exact same lyrical content than an original that was very successful yeah so that was 1987 and that was lean on me by club nouveau all right now we're getting into my wheelhouse 1988 and i was a huge
1: fan of this particular guy
0: Come on. I think someone
1: feels like they they just clicked on a bait a clickbait video and suddenly there was a little Rick rolling going on. Come on.
0: How can you not be happy when you hear this song? Oh he's singing his heart out there, Scott. that's
1: Rob Fisher would say. That was a different song. Oh,
0: oh. <laughs> it would take a strong man. <laughs> this was a, this was a Rick Astley whenever you need somebody is the album and this was his first number one never going to give you up and at this point he was kind of new on the scene I mean this was his first number one it was at week number two but he was showing that this this was a huge song and I think he kind of surprised everybody by coming out with a couple more songs back to back in the same year in that summer that didn't equal the success of the first number one, but kind of showed that he wasn't just a one-hit, you know, one-hit wonder. And Rick Astley is a guy who, at the end of the day, had a really, really good career over about an eight-year period.
1: Yeah, and when I hear this, I can almost picture myself on like a Friday night uh, up in my bedroom, cuffing my jeans, getting ready to go uh, head out for the night. Absolutely. And when you said about your friends
0: being in Rick's place kind of dancing to Club Nouveau. Sure. My friends being a couple years behind you, me and my friends were at Rick's place kind of dancing to this song. So this was 1988 and Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. You know, Rick Astley's music that he came out with in the 90s. Uh, never really gets kind of the attention i think it deserves okay and i think if you're if you're a fan of rick astley's music in the uh, 80s you know take a few if you do like different types of music listen to some of his stuff from the 90s because he's got some pretty good he he intentionally went away from a pop sound and went to more of an r&b but i think it's a good listen i think he's got he's got some great songs um uh hopeless, hopeless is one of my favorite Rick Astley songs of all time and that came out like 1993 okay so uh, Rick Astley 1988 never gonna give you up 1989 I guess you could call these guys I guess you could call them a super group but uh, they had a couple of albums that were very very successful and this was a this was a band that had more than one lead singer so they were uh, obviously the kind of the force behind the band was part of the super you know the part of the group Genesis. I'm mm-hmm. talking about Mike Rutherford and Mike and the Mechanics. Mm-hmm. But this, this was a band uh, that had two really, really good lead singers. And, and the guy singing this song is Paul Carrick, who is widely regarded in music circles as having one of the best singing voices in pop music history. Right,
1: I mean, he was in Squeeze, right, was mm-hmm. as well. He was in, uh,
0: oh, what was this? It was a 70s song. It was called How Long. Okay. And I forget the name of that band, but he was in that band as well. He had a couple of solo hits as well. But this is The Living Years by Mike and the Mechanics. And Mike and the Mechanics, just like Phil Collins' kind of rival Genesis success with the solo stuff, probably exceeded. Right, Mike Rutherford and Mike of the Mechanics at, at this time is rivaling Genesis with his own success as well. And this was a very very popular song in my senior year in high school.
1: It was, yeah. No, this this I know. Does this song get played as much today no. as what it did back then? Because it it was. I mean, the moment you played it, I knew what it was. It, you know, it was it was heavily. Heavily played back then, and, you know, I, I always really liked the song. It was different for what was out at that particular time. Yeah, I was surprised when you, I, like I said, coming into this, I did not prepare at all. So, I thought it might be, I don't know. I don't even know what I thought it would be, but I wasn't expecting Every this. rose has its thorn or something? Maybe. Um, You know, maybe. Yeah. Uh, 87, you, I mean, it's the, the height of the hairband era, so it could have been. But, yeah, no, this... I'm not surprised, but I wouldn't have guessed this. Yeah, yeah, but this
0: was a this was a very very popular song in 1989. Mike the Mechanics, The Living Years. All right, so now we're turning over the decade. We're going into the final decade, the 1990s. All right, but in
1: 1990, music hasn't shifted yet. That is correct. Right, so it's still you know kind of a continuation of the 80s.
0: And this is this is a good song. This is a song that gets played still, gets played quite a bit to this day. Now, I wouldn't call it a one-hit wonder, even though, in retrospective, uh, circles, this is the only song that ever gets played by this artist. But she did have another hit song. It's kind of like Rupert Holmes. You know, Rupert Mm -hmm. Holmes has the Pina Colada song, but there was another top ten song on that album. But everybody calls him a one-hit wonder. Well, this is she's not a one-hit wonder. But this is a song that really jumps out at you as far as something grabs you and you know it immediately. Right. <laughs> So the artist is Alana Miles. Mm-hmm. Some people may have forgotten her name. I and was the, struggling to come up with her name. And the song is, is Black Velvet. Very popular song. This is actually written about Elvis. That's, that's what the song's about. Okay. And Alana Miles, she's originally from Canada. She's a Canadian actress, singer. And she had to, in order to kind of fund her musical aspirations she took jobs as as an actor she was actually in a bunch of commercials right in the in the late 80s early 90s before the song actually became uh, popular and it ends up going to number one huge huge hit for her and it basically turned her life around
1: right I I remember the video very well if if I remember correctly you know she's you know it's it's kind of hot she's sweaty and then I I watched like uh, that show pop-up video And I think they said she filmed the video with like a fever of a hundred and something. And while it, she's supposed to look really, you know, sexual and sultry and it turns out, no, she was really sick. (laughs) And and that's why she was coming across the way she was. But, you know, it, it definitely, um, you know, in 1990, it's, I think you can, you can still see that it does have that sound, you know, very much. Uh, we, we haven't changed. We, we haven't hit grunge yet. Nope. Um, but uh, and once again, like with, with videos, you know that is an, that's another song that to me immediately just takes me to the video. All right, so that was
0: 1990, Black Velvet by Alana Miles. Any guesses on 1991? I know ni- the 90s kind of concerns you a little bit because at this
1: point, our interest is kind of waning on the charts. Yeah, and I'm probably not into pop music. I mean, I'm still into in, into music, uh, obviously, but you know, I'm, I, I would have turned 23 in in 91 sure. so you know i my my tastes probably aren't as tied to the top 40 as what they would have been i probably was doing more more albums and i was i was into bands uh, you know you know who was i into that was big it was probably guns and roses so i don't know if they're no one here or not
0: no this one you could truly call him a one-hit wonder okay and i really liked the song when it was out and Those who lived in the Lancaster area or Lancaster, York at the time, there was a radio station that originally in the 80s was called Q106. And then they went through this transformation in 1990 and they became Hot 105.7. And this song was played all the time on Hot 105.7. Very, very popular. One of the more popular songs to be played at Rick's place as well. I don't know if you're going to recognize this, but I this is one of my favorite songs of the 90s. Oh, I
1: know the song. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think if I can come up with the name. It's been a long time since you left me. I totally know the song. Okay. No, I, I'm not going to come up with the name. I didn't mean to make you cry.
0: The artist is Timmy T. Yes. 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 Oh, do you remember yeah. Timmy oh, T? Oh, 100%. 100%. This... this- Tell me this wasn't
1: on the radio all the time. Yeah, and you know, and so while even though at this time I'm, I'm you know I'm twenty three, you know, I'm not really as the, the teenage crowd anymore. But I always like this music. So while I you know I'm going to to the rock concerts right now, I still maybe secretly was still listen to this music. Yeah.
0: And now nineteen ninety one my wife Amy is still a, at this point she's a senior in high school. So we're still very much doing the high school thing, even though I was a couple of years out of school. So they, you know, we're going to the dance club. We're doing the parties, the dance parties with her friends. This was really, really big with, with her and her friends. Huge song. Yep, Timmy T. 1991. So that went all the way to number one. Now, the number one artist in or March 19th of 1992 is one of my favorites and has had a really, really great, was a really strong career after kind of getting off to a rocky start. And at this point, this particular artist is one of the more popular singers in the world. Kind of found her niche as far as the kind of music that she was coming out with.
1: this be Vanessa Williams? Yes. Yeah, I remember you were really into Vanessa Williams. Yeah.
0: Yeah, she had her debut album was called The Right Stuff. Yeah, I remember hearing that, hear you play that a lot. Yeah, and that was that was one of my favorites. Yeah, I really, yeah. I thought she had a great voice. And I, when I said Rocky Start, she obviously had to deal with the controversy of winning Miss America, <laughs> and then having being the only woman ever to have the title stripped from her because of some photographs that came out, but. You got to give her credit for not giving up on her career, and I guess it just goes to show: she didn't have immense talent; she may have gone away, but because she was a good singer, and she ended up being a really good singer, mm-hmm. she had a really nice career. Still has a career. Eventually, uh,
1: was she married to Rick Fox as well?
0: She was. Yeah. 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 They were married for for a brief, a brief time. Yeah. Huh? Former yeah. Los Angeles Laker.
1: Yep, and her brother
0: Chris Williams.
1: Yes, yeah, he's an actor. He's an actor. He's yeah. in. Um, You'll oh, get it. Oh, oh, it's it's a spin-off of Seinfeld. It's the um, um, the um, the the Larry David show, right? Well, he was part of that. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of the movie Dodgeball. Yes, he was yes, yes, he, yes. He was in yes, he Dodgeball. Was in Dodgeball yeah. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Yep, yep, that and you're right. Yes, yeah.
0: yeah. So that was uh, Vanessa Williams and Save the Best for Last march 19th 1992 so now in 1993 the music has changed now 1993 we're talking march 19th so i've been married about two weeks okay
1: all right right. so we
0: were just getting back from our honeymoon essentially and i remember the song but this is when uh, all right i'll see if you can remember what this what this one is so i'll just let it play out uh? this is that crisscross era
1: but well, this is not Chris Cross. So is this uh, Informer? It is Informer. <laughs> from the artist Snow, the white rapper from Canada. You betcha eh? Informer. You
0: know that I miss <laughs> Tommy Agot Liam and
1: he keep now. I have not heard this. in 25 years. I keep on bumming now. Informer.
0: You know say that I miss Tommy Agot Liam and he boom, on bumming you know when I went back and listened to this the guy's pretty good
1: uh, yeah I, I'm not gonna lie I mean he's he's a pretty good rapper well obviously I listened to it if I could tell you right away who it was <laughs> You know, it's kind of interesting That this is the music that was charting Right You know, it, it's, you know Because I, I had kind of morphed a little bit You know, as I was saying earlier From out of the, the top 40 music To more rock music And then that's, you know Grunge kind of hits Around the summer of 92-ish You know, when uh, Especially Teen Spirit comes out and But pop music It still kind of has that hip-hop that, that early 90s kind of sound to it and it, it does and
0: I think I guess I can go ahead and, and mention this now there's not a single grunge song on this on this chart it's not a single grunge song
1: and, and you know and you know everybody wants to say grunge is what changed music but and hearing you say that's kind of interesting
0: yeah so that takes us from 19, that was 1993 and so now we're going to go into 1994 and I remember that this song was absolutely huge. The Ace of Bass Ace Bass From Sweden And we have listeners in Sweden
1: I this is an uh, Office Depot commercial or something <laughs> That's right What <it laughs> <was>. oh, <yeah. laughs>
0: year was this? 1994 Okay My memory of this particular song is driving in the car. Mm -hmm. Back in the day when our family had season tickets to the Phillies, the Veterans stadium, we had tickets. We had the Sunday package. So every every home game on Sundays, we would drive out to a Phillies game. And that's what I remember about this song is driving in the car with the windows down, and listening to the song
1: driving to the Phillies Games, 1994 that's a good memory and, and that's that's what music will, will take you to it's amazing how you know well of course, you would listen to music when you're in the car for the most part but it's for me if there are always so many good memories like that with a song yeah i could, yeah sure I, I that is that is a song that i liked it's you know i think it's becoming apparent to me that when uh you know grunge hit and the music that i was really into kind of Change, I think I might have switched back over to pop music sure. again, it seems.
0: And when I did uh, for, that was 1994 in the sign by the Ace of Bass. When we get to 1995, what, r- this song really stands out to me. And not that I'm surprised that the artist made the list. Is it Ace of the Bass again for our No, 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 okay. no, it's not. But what what really surprises me is that it took so long for this particular artist to make your list of March 19, number ones, when you consider the career that she's had. One of the best and underplayed songs by this artist. This is Dreaming.
1: No? No? Madonna's a about. Mm-hmm. Is over, this is and to me,
0: at this point, Madonna's right been around for more than 10 years. we're ta- This is 1995. Mm-hmm. She breaks onto the scene around 1983. Right. So she's roughly in her 13th year. I think a lot of people had kind of given up on her at this point. And this was the album that was pr- produced by Babyface. And you can even hear him singing oh, background it, on the well, song. It,
1: I, I I wouldn't have necessarily picked up on his voice singing back there, but this has that sound. Yeah. And
0: this album really made her a megastar, like kind of made her like Hall of Fame material megastar because you know you have a she had a great career up to this point. Mm-hmm. Kind of had the controversy with the sex album and. Uh, she kind of got dragged through the mud a little bit as far as her career was not uh, doing so well. I, I guess sales weren't doing as well as, as they wanted to. But then she comes out with this album and kind of rebrands herself again, as she would been so good to do. She'd done it so many times before, and yet she comes out and with this, with this album. It's got some new songs. This wasn't the only hit on this album, uh, and this was a big number one. This was the fifth week. At number one for Madonna, arguably you could argue and say this may be her—not her signature
1: song—but it may have been her biggest hit. And you know, to her credit, she—you know—would move to different producers as you know to try to stay current. And you know, Ellie Reed and and Babyface were what's what well, they were happening at the time. Right? Yeah. And
0: this was by. In my opinion, this was by far her best song off of this album. Okay. And it's hard to not imagine the the music video. I don't know. Do you remember the music video for this song? Kind of. It's the, she's in a relationship with the matador. Do you remember the scenes with the matador?
1: Yeah, kind of. Where yeah.
0: he's doing the bullfighting? Yeah. And that's that's kind of what stands out to me about this, uh, this particular music video. Uh, Madonna at this point, you know, She's at an age where a lot of artists will kind of fade away. And at the age of 36, 37, she she kind of relaunches herself and ends up, you know, obviously having many more successful albums after this.
1: Yeah. And for me, at this time, I'm 27, Mm -hmm. you know, 10 years younger, but I'm not watching MTV as much. Right. I'm watching it, but it's not something where in the past, like the decade before, where I would have parked myself in front of the television and just watch video after video after video. So I, I have memories of MTV, but it was just eh, something I put on between. I, I might watch a baseball game and eh, I throw MTV up during a commercial. See, at this point
0: in 1995, uh, MTV had already started to shift away from music videos. So if you wanted to watch videos, chances are you were going to VH1. Okay. and Maybe that's why I wasn't so- watching MTV. <laughs> I, I remember you and I, at this point, I don't know if we were still watching Beavis and Butthead on MTV or, what was it, Celebrity Fights that was on MTV?
1: But they also would do uh, the Road Rules and the, the right. Real World, but right. they would do those those adventures where they would have the cast members go out and uh, do the competition shows. I think we were into that.
0: Uh, Dan Cortez? Yeah. yeah.
1: That was uh, MTV the, Sports. MTV Sports, That's Dan right. Cortez from uh, Pittsburgh.
0: But I, VH1 at this point took over as the, I guess you could call him the music video channel. And MTV was sort of transitioning into more programming, but uh, this video really does stand out to me as far as the the imagery from it. I think was was very well well conceived and well done. So that was uh, Madonna from 1995, and the song was "Take a Bow." That this was the highest charting song on your list. Oh, okay. so this was at its fifth week number one. Nobody else hit number five. All right. So Okay. So, let's go to 1996, another major artist of the 1990s. For all
1: those times you stood by me, Again, no grunge. Well, i the truth that you the song. Made right um, for the artist I'm not sure about the cuz there was a few artists that all were, right. were similar. Like, you know, like Anita Baker, um, kind of has that type of sound to it. Um, was it Karen White had kind of a similar sound? Tony Braxton had a similar sound in a way. French Canadian. Is it Celine Dion? Celine oh, I was way off base then. Yeah, Celine Cause Dion. Because they kind of had that slow,
0: soulful oh, sure. sound. Well, she's, she's got one of the best singing voices okay. of all time. So it's Celine Dion. Yeah. End of the song and this is from the movie Up Close and Personal which starred Michelle Pfeiffer and Robert Redford. did not say it um it's kind of loosely based on a a couple that meet working at a television station
1: so is this like her first big hit Celine Dion no
0: um her first big hit was in 1991 it came out right around the time of the very famous Whitney Houston Super Bowl um okay. Where does my heart go? I think was her first, okay. uh, big hit. Where she, before that, she was big in Canada. So we do have listeners from mm-hmm. the Great Way North, and uh, you know they knew Celine Dion way before we did. But her first American crossover hit was, where Where does my heart go? I think is what the title of it from like 1990, 1991.
1: You know what's what's interesting is that while I would not have going out of my way to listen to a song like this well, i was aware of it you know once again i liked it if it came on the radio like uh between the sheets with with christopher <laughs> there you go which is probably where i would have heard it at i'm sure i did i, I, I wasn't going to change it i, I kind of liked it but now that i am you know sitting here you know 2023 20, at age 55 i kind of like that song and i can see why you know when i was young in the people that i thought was people you know i thought they were old they would listen to the easy listening stations and i now get it
0: you know i i kind of tear my favorite artist uh you know of all time so my my truly favorite artist like i would go out and buy each individual cd but then you kind of have that next level down where you really like the singer so you'll buy the greatest hits compilation Mm -hmm. i have her greatest hits Uh, you know, so I like, obviously like way, like a lot more than just one or two songs. Okay. So, uh, you know, Celine Dion has an incredible voice and surprisingly, I forget what, what show was on. It was on VH1 might've been a new year's Eve thing, but she sang ACDC's shook me all night long (laughs) and was incredible. It was one of the best covers of an Mm ACDC song I've ever heard. She she has an incredible voice. Okay. Well, I won't deny that all right so that was 1996 now we're going to go to 1997 we'll let this one kind of lead up to I, now you remember the, the the baseline, the groove
1: well yeah it's from as grandmaster flash and yeah. the furious five well, absolutely it's the it's, message it's, it's the message yeah it's like a jungle sometimes it makes me wonder how i keep them going under. that's right so I was definitely not <laughs> listening to this uh back in 97 uh is, is that P. Diddy or Puffy or Got it All right. It's it's and yeah. Can't can't nobody hold me down I I I lie I knew who you know I mean I, it's like I I listened. I mean, I was always aware of, of hip hop. So, I, what
0: what I remember about this song, obviously, is the Grandmaster Flash. Sure, and that's what drew me right. initially. Yeah, and I probably was a little annoyed at the time that he sampled it. Now, Diddy, in the late '90s, was huge. Yeah, he was maybe at or near the top of you know the top selling artists of that particular era. And Unfortunately, there's. It's not anything I was able to take anything kind of sustaining away. Like you know how we talked about songs that we hear, like Love Train by the OJ's. Mm -hmm. How 50 years later, that song still kind of grabs you. Right. And unfortunately for me, uh, you know Diddy, it just wasn't anything that kind of grabbed and took a hold of me, like some of the other popular music or even popular rap music of its time.
1: I think that's part of the problem with sampling. You know, when you hear the beginning to "Love Train," you know it's the OJ's. Yeah. You know that's who it is. But you know, when you played that for me, I'm like, why am I hearing Grandmaster Flash? <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't you know Diddy's music to me was extremely
0: popular for its time. But can you think of maybe any other artists that were kind of like that? really big in their heyday but yet there's nothing that you kind of took away from that era of the music that, that that had come out for me um you know there's probably a couple of names that for me would come to mind like mc hammer okay you know mc hammer was so big in the early 90s but you know it's there's not a whole i mean i guess you can't touch this probably made its way out but there isn't a whole lot of MC Hammer music, and MC Hammer was huge. It was in the early. I mean, there's, there's definitely. I'm not. There's more than just those guys. Uh, there's more bands like that where they were, they were considered so big, but yet when you go back and you're trying to like think of music that was. Part of your your childhood or part of your generation, it just doesn't seem to make its way out.
1: Right, it, and so you know, I was thinking, I'm trying to go back even further with with other artists, you know, that were huge and then disappeared. I mean, you would get that. I mean, you would get. I mean, I, I I guessed earlier that you know the knack of my Sharona was going to be on the list. I mean, that was a, a band that was just blew up and then they went away, but you still remember my Sharona, right? I mean, if you played the intro to my Sharona, there's Probably few Gen Xers that would not immediately pick up what song that was. But like I said, when you started that, until it got into where I heard Diddy's voice, I was like, I'm like, what is this? I can't remember it. And then I was like, oh yeah, sure, I remember who this is. Sure. So
0: that was 1997, Can't Nobody Hold Me Down by Diddy. At this point, he's not P. Diddy. He's just Diddy and Maze. He's not Puffy. He's not Puffy. Okay. Changed his name a few times. 1999, probably the biggest, biggest celebrity of the late 90s, I think. Really carved himself out an incredible career. What,
1: what, what, what? Oh your mark, ready, set, let's go. Dance floor, bro. I know, you know. I go when my new joint hit. Just can't sit. Gotta get jiggy with it. A with you, it. A
0: you know, we're going months back. There's obviously the, the most recent images of Will Smith with what happened with Chris Rock at right. the Academy Awards. Right. In the late 1990s, when Getting Jiggy With It comes out, now you not only have the number one movie in the world but you also have the number one song in the world what was the
1: number one movie
0: that was uh, Men in Black okay and uh, Men in Black came out and so he's he's the biggest movie star and arguably the biggest artist in music at the same time
1: and you know you're big when you get mentioned on an episode of Seinfeld at that time because Jerry could get jiggy with it yeah you know he could dance (laughs) So, yeah, you know, Will Smith, you know, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen with his career because, you know, as Scott said, you know, there was the incident where, is it a year ago that he slept Chris Rock? I guess it's been about Oscars? a year It's been a full year. Yeah. You know, so I think a lot of people forget how he is perceived back in this 1999, here at the end of the decade. He is, he's coming off the Fresh Prince. I mean, well, prior to the to. The show, The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. He was the Fresh Prince, the rapper, very, very likable. And, uh, you know, just happy music. We talked about that, that was always a big thing. But, you know, here he is at the end of the 90s, and he is. You know, he, he's a hit machine. Yeah. You know, as you said, both both with the movies and with the music, It you know, with the summertime, I'm not sure even when that one came up, but that was... That another. was 91. Okay. Summer of 91. So you have the beginning of, of the 90s where he's coming up with, with that, uh, summertime, then he's closing out here with, you know, Get Jiggy With It, and it's, he was, you know, very much, uh, you know, on, on a who's who list of popular artists. I think... Um,
0: My favorite Will Smith song might have been the first one that ever came out because I actually heard it on the radio. The Prince
1: just don't understand?
0: Nope. It was before that. It was called Girls Ain't Nothing But Trouble. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. I love that. That's probably my favorite Will Smith and and DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. And uh, we got to mention Jeff Mm -hmm. because he's as much a part of this song as what Will is, even though Will Smith's name is what is put out front. but. Jeff is really the kind of the creative driving force. And, uh, you know, Will was a big part of that creative process. But anybody that is into DJing or understands just the skill, uh, Jeff, Jazzy Jeff may be the greatest DJ I've ever, I've ever watched. And I watched him on YouTube and he didn't even do his own song. He did a song by Run DMC which is called Peter Piper.
1: Uh, yeah, I remember that one. And
0: Peter and Peter Piper and he scratched to Peter Piper and I highly recommend I, I don't think you've even seen it so no, but I would recommend pull that up and just watch a guy do it without headphones do it straight off of memory and and just nail it. I okay. I on one take he, it, and that's kind of the joke of the whole video is he walks up to the turntable, he starts scratching, and at the end he walks away. <laughs> it's kind of like kind of like that drop the mic moment. Right. Uh, Jeff is just he's so skilled. He's he's just incredible. He was when uh, when Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince came out with Parents Don't Understand. You know, he was the one that picked all the music for the background, and Will Smith wrote the lyrics. But these guys were were just special. So you know? you're saying
1: Jeff was kind of like Crest of the Clown when crusty when <laughs> would go and read lines for commercials and it was like uh he's like uh, and he just like he rattled them off like he goes he had the cards he read all five and them he goes i'm out of here He walks out he goes okay uh crusty we're ready for you crusty bada boom bada bang. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah uh but yeah getting jiggy with it number one song and will smith had sort of stepped away from movies at that point and or not movies i mean stepped away from music and started to get into into a music just kind of as a side thing. And I guess he showed just, you know, how big they still were because without not really doing music, he just hops back in. Actually, I read his book, his autobiography, and he sort of talks about that because he found that music was a great way for him to sort of promote himself over his acting rivals. If you want to call them that, okay. not that they were big rivals, but you know, you're putting a movie out, you're going up against the Tom Cruise What is it that's going to set you over and above? And he found that his success came in the international market. So he would go on these junkets where you go out and promote the movies. And he, he said, you know, Tom Cruise isn't going to stand up there and do a concert. I can, and that's going to stand me out to the, to the viewers in Spain or in Europe. So he, he really felt that that was his way of sort of setting himself apart from from the other actors that were out there and it was it was a smart move certainly worked for him because i think he had six consecutive uh, movies in the late 90s early 2000s that all debuted at number one i mean it was one of the it got to the point where you know you saw the name will smith on a movie poster and people were going to go watch it just because his name was on it
1: yeah sure absolutely well i'm i'm kind of impressed you know, from having gone through this entire list, you know, from 1970 to 1999, I think maybe outside of like one or two songs, I, I I liked every single song on there. I told you it was a strong list. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, you're never going to find Barbara Streisand in my collection. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It, I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to put, put Barbara down, but you know, it's not not my style. Well, I'd be lying if I said
0: I didn't have a Barbara Streisand album. Okay, and I do. Okay, and. You have mentioned, uh, you know, Barry Gibb post disco. Yeah, that's right. They did a duet. Did the uh, out, actually the Bee Gees produced her guilty album? Okay. <clears throat> which I do have on vinyl, by the way. So okay. All right. All right. So now we get to 1999. We get our, to our last song, which also just happens to be. Remember, I said about four artists that had. Oh, that's right. Number ones on this list. So now we finally get to our final artist. Okay. All right. Any any guesses? You know, we kind of covered some some bands or I, artists I, in nineteen ninety nine. Nineteen
1: ninety nine. Um, male or female? Female. Okay, that rules out Will Smith. Uh, I'm gonna go Celine Dion.
0: That's a that's a, a very very good
1: guess. Share. It's Cher. It takes time to believe it.
0: 25 years sad dumb, after the first number one wow going so I want to ask you what's your opinion on that song this song yeah
1: I didn't hate it when it came out I wasn't wasn't a, a huge fan of it. So this song is kind of monumental in that if, if everyone listens. You can hear Cher's voice. It's the first time you hear AutoTune. Yeah, it's true. And and it has totally changed music. It has forever changed yeah. music.
0: Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and I think AutoTune was something that had sort of been experimented in, but this is really the first mainstream hit yeah. song that had
1: that AutoTune in it, where she's. She's actually playing off it. Almost like she's a guitarist using feedback. Yeah. You know, So whether it was her, whether it was her producer. There might have been some auto-tune tricks used in the studio with some other artists. But this is the first time where it's just right up there, out front, uh, used as an effect.
0: Yeah. And I wasn't necessarily a big Cher fan. I mean, she had those hit songs in the 1980s, which I thought were okay. I actually liked her 80s songs. And... But there was right after, I'd say late eighties, she sort of became kind of the the whipping girl of the media. She was dating a guy who was not a notable person. They the, called him the Bagel Boy. The bagel Boy, yeah. Rob the Bagel Boy, yeah. And she really got dragged through the mud. I mean, she was really criticized. How
1: dare she just date an average guy?
0: Remember, in on uh, SNL, she did these infomercials. Uh, Cher got paid a lot of money to do these infomercials for this hair care, and it was hosted by this other woman, and Cher's a part of this, and I remember SNL doing a spoof on it because it was Chris Farley as the woman next to Cher, her friend, because (laughs) I guess her friend was a little on the heavy side, (laughs) and Cher just got ripped for coming out with these infomercials, and her career is essentially over. And you think about it. She had a she had a number one song. She was probably one of the biggest, most recognizable TV personalities in 1974. That's 25 years ago. Right. And now here she comes out. I believe she's at the age. I think when this came out, she was 52. When this song comes out. Yeah. Uh. Man, props to that. I mean, I, that that's a lot of respect for somebody who stays at it, especially after the criticism that she received for a number of years.
1: I remember being surprised when she came out with this and it was a hit. I, I just, it just kind of came out of left field. I thought that she had gone away. You know, I, I liked her music in the 80s, you know, the, you know, the, the late 80s, that run that she had. Um, and then she kind of went away. And then I didn't really see her for eight, nine, ten years. And then suddenly there was another hit. And, it, you know, at the time I didn't mind the song. You know, it was okay. It, it it was upbeat. It was you know well produced. And but if I'd known how auto tune was going to destroy music, I, I probably would have been up in arms. You yeah. know, people talk about how how grunge changed things. Nothing's changed music like autotune. Absolutely. Um,
0: all right. So there's your thirty songs. Okay. Quite a quite a retrospective. And that's and that's the cool thing about Gen X, is when you think about what you started with in 1970. We're sharing and, and we share. And and. But I mean, starting with like a Simon and Garfunkel sure. and just how the, how the music sounds. I mean, like I said, I, I was drawing comparisons to Simon and Garfunkel to, to Sinatra mm-hmm. and seeing how you can kind of tie that together. And then you kind of go all the way through the spectrum to the end where now you're at auto tune, which is where music is at today.
1: Right. It,
0: is there any song that stands out to you? Like, Hey, I'm, I'm really glad that this song was on the list that maybe one that you were kind of hoping was on and was on and one
1: that really surprised you is there anything that stands out well i don't know if it if it surprises me i, I was i was happy that club nouveau was on the list okay with lean on me just because you know I, I told the story about me and my friends you know that you know being there at you know dancing and to the song and i hear it and it takes me right back to that moment right before we were ready to graduate and it was just such a happy, ha- happy time. I didn't expect that one to be on the list. Um, you know, the 90s, it wasn't really something where I really had any expectations. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think most of the songs in the 90s, I, I, well, I didn't expect Snow with "Informer." to be <laughs> on there. I'm not going to lie. That, huh. that one totally came out of left field. I'd say, you know, the 80s held pretty true. To, it did. To what I thought it was going to be, you know, had you said eighty three, I I would have guessed a Michael Jackson song. Had you you know told me eighty four, I I would have guessed Jump at some point.
0: Yeah, I think for for us because I mean we're so we were so into the eighties. It's was such an when you're talking comparing music to our age at the time. The eighties just kind of ties into that era when or the age when as a kid you're you're really listening to the radio, you're really watching MTV. So music is really as you get important you know or as you get older I think radio TV music becomes a little bit less you start following a little less intensely as maybe what you did when you were a teenager so now in the 90s we're going into our 20s right so the charts even though we follow the charts and I knew every song on this list sure but by the end of the 90s um, you know I've got I've got a couple kids uh, I've just Rap music for me has kind of moved on. It has. Even though rap music in the eighties was such an important part of our lives. We were, I think we were the first of our friends that really started following rap music in our area. And I think we, I know like for my one friend, Dan's air, uh, Dan, if you're listening, how you doing? Uh, but for Dan, like I introduced rap music to him. And, um, so, you know, it was really important to me at that time. By the end of the 90s, I was kind of losing the grip on what was really popular music. Because now, you know, our, my kids are starting to get to the point where they're listening to music, but they're not really into the older kind of chart
1: stuff yet. They're kind of into the kids bop and the, that kind kids of stuff. Kids bop, yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. I remember kids bop. Yeah, so. Well, you know, it's, it is kind of interesting to see, you know, how you grow. Mm-hmm. Right, so I don't know that I've I've changed as much in you know since you know 1999 as much as I changed from you know whenever I was old enough to rem- to know what was going on in the 70s all the way through the 90s. So I you know you go from being a little kid to to an adult you know like somebody in their 30s where as I mentioned you know suddenly I I can now get why people in their 30s like the easy listening music because mm-hmm. now when I hear it today. I, I like it, uh, you know, and also with the fact that we're just so bombarded with, with classic music, you mm-hmm. know, or that, you know, the 80 songs that get played over and over again. Example, I Love Rock and Roll by Joan Jett, where I I would, you know, if I'm going to make a list of, of, of great songs and artists, I'm going to put that on the list. But today I actually kind of enjoyed listening to Ace of Bass, yeah. you know, because I, I don't hear it that much. Sure, And it's, it's probably a little fresher to me right now, and you know even going back and hearing some of the, the Celine Dion songs or that or the the song that you played is not something that I listen to often, and it was like, yeah, that's a good song i you know I'm, I'm definitely not tired of it I think the one song for me that
0: probably stands out is the Timmy T song, just because you never hear that song anymore right like it never gets played, and it was a song that when I think how little it gets played now and how popular it was when it was released it's like that was that's kind of really a forgotten gem is it a great song no but it's it's still a good slow song like you said we always compare everything to between the sheets with christopher Knight on star one of 4.5 and that would absolutely been played on Mm -hmm. between the sheets so i was glad that that one that one made the list
1: I, i i like you know pretty much everything on there i mean even the ones that like like the 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 P Diddy or Puffy or whatever he was called at the time. <laughs> I, you know, not a song I was re- I really cared about, but I I still like the fact that you know he sampled a song I really did like yeah. back in the 80s. So, yeah. it, you know, it's 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 a countdown that um, you know, that was that was a good 30-year period. That's that,
0: a that's a strong list, yeah. That really is. And and I always recommend because who who really does kind of do a retrospective like that, but Check it out sometimes. You know, Billboard has a website and you can go on and it has a calendar. You click on the calendar and you can look up any week dating back to the beginning of the Billboard charts. So I've done it for myself. I've done it for my wife. I've done it for any family. You know, just check it out sometime to pick your birth date and then go back into the charts and it'll tell you what the top 100 songs were on the charts at that time. So pretty good thing to check out. I think it's fun. And every time I would do it at a at a birthday party, it always seemed to get a really good good response. So, and I think people are, would be pleasantly surprised to see how many good songs are on their list.
1: Well, obviously, I don't need to go on and click okay. on my birthday because now I have two podcasts that are going <laughs> to live on twenty, thirty, forty years from now, hopefully. You and uh, you know. You know, future generations can hear what was played on my birthday. So there you go. Happy birthday, big brother. Well, thanks. Um, even and, though we're in April now. but Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so for those of you you know who, uh, you know, next year rolls around. We're doing the podcast. Just remember it was March 19th. That's okay. my birthday. All
0: right. So that puts a wrap on the number one songs from March 19th in the Gen X era. So we're going now to episode number 24. Mm-hmm. And it's now your turn. So do you have anything picked out?
1: Well, it is interesting, Scott. Um, because, you know, this was not planned, and I obviously had no idea who was going to be on your list, that you had, you know, four artists that had two number ones. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you closed out my time with Cher, but you began talking about Cher with, and and the reason why you talked about her, and she said she was so popular because she had a variety show. Okay. Variety shows were huge, Gen Xers, as you well know. So, and... uh, what I want to do is have an episode on our favorite variety shows. Let's go ahead okay. and rank them. Okay. And, you know, I'm not going to put a limit on it. You know, if you want to come up with 10, you want to come up with 20, that's up to you. Let's play music. And we'll have songs from from the artist because almost all of these variety shows, the the whoever was the – whether it was Cher, you know, she sang on the show. Right. You know, if you, you go on and you want to, you know, throw a name – random in the out there you know carol burnett she's going to be on the list so you know sure they, she sang so let's have some music you know from from your variety shows and let's go ahead and rank them we can go all the way all the way through the gen x area 70s 80s and 90s
0: so whether you're putting on some roller skates or some ice skates or if you're swimming in a pool before the opening of the variety show, i'm trying to name all the different variety shows <laughs> and how they used to open them up but yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun that we can talk about our favorite variety shows going back in... Uh, particularly, I know there were some variety shows later on in the uh, in the 80s, but we're, t- we're going to focus on the 70s. So
1: you going to rip- go back to Snow?
0: You got it, man. <laughs> so once again, we really want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Gen X Playback Show. In our wildest dreams, we, we really never thought that... Um, that we would be broadcasting to more than anybody in the Lancaster, New Holland, uh, maybe what, maybe Elizabethtown, uh, you know, like within a, a 20, 30 mile radius. And we're so glad that it's, it's kind of become more than that. So tell a friend you can actually check out this list of number one songs on Spotify. So if you go into Spotify and you type in March 19, number ones with an apostrophe, uh, it should come up for you, and you should be able to hear all 30 songs from what we played in this episode.
1: Oh, very good. Excellent. So, yeah, and also, uh, you know, tell a friend. Word of mouth is seemingly how this this is spreading. Uh, you know, if you can go in there, give us a five-star review. That uh, evidently, I don't know how these algorithms work, but it helps us go up in the ratings. Can people leave reviews? Is that a thing that we even have set up? Not yet. Okay. Not so yet. don't b- worry about leaving <laughs> a review. But uh, yeah, if, if nothing else, at least just tell your friends that, hey, there are these two brothers that get on here every week and, and reminisce about the the good old 70s, 80s, and 90s.
0: Yep. We uh we really do enjoy talking about those times and at least gets us out of the room and our families don't complain about us talking about it because we're doing it way before we ever put it on a podcast.
1: Absolutely. And they got sick of it. So it's just a room where Scott and I are in the, our little studio here that we have and there is... uh None of our family members probably are going to listen and, you know, but that's all right. That's okay. Yeah. All right. You are loyal listeners. Do listen.
0: (laughs) All right. So don't forget, uh, next week's episode is going to be on variety shows. Tune in. It's going to be a lot of fun. And again, thanks for listening to the Gen X Playback Show. We'll talk to you then. We are the Brothers High. I am Scott. And I'm Sean. And we will talk to you next week. Thanks. See ya.